0: You have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Just a reminder that we do have the box in the back for collecting morning tithes and offerings. For those who are watching by Facebook Live, you can go to our website and there's a link there uh, to do online giving. We appreciate the support that everyone continues to give for this ministry. Matthew, chapter 7, for those who can remember, We began this series in looking at the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. Well, today we conclude looking at this amazing, amazing message in talking about kingdom foundations. Matthew chapter 7, I'll begin reading in verse number 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as, having, as one having authority, not as the scribes. Amen. Kingdom Foundations Jesus reaches his conclusion and leaves a final thought, kind of wraps it up in this theme and analogy of two houses. He talks about building and what he wants everyone there on that mountainside to see, and I believe wants each one of us to understand today as well, is that each one of us is building something. We are each building a life. The question is not whether or not you are building, you and I are building something, it's what are we building on? Now before going into the final passage of this sermon and going into the analogy of the two houses, he establishes some key components. He talks about some of the materials that should be part of a Christian's foundation. Earlier in this same chapter, he talked about choices that we need to make and the fruit that these choices bear, as well as the greatest fruit or the greatest value that can come to us. So before going into the actual foundation and the analogy of the two houses, let's take a look at some of the components. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by, who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Jesus highlights that a major part of the quality of the foundation that you and I build will be revealed in the choices or decisions that we make. And specifically, the choices or decisions that we make for Him. He says, and he links them in pairs, there are two gates, a narrow gate and a wide gate. There are two ways, the broad way or the difficult way. And then he says there are two groups, the many and the few. And the analogies are not that hard to see, but let's go through them. Wouldn't life be wonderful if every decision we made required nothing from you. You could just make it. No sacrifice was ever required. No commitment was ever necessary. No sense of loyalty was ever needed, either to yourself or to someone else. Or or you could just go with the moment. Or any attitude that you wanted to have at a given moment, it could be done with no consequences. Wouldn't that be amazing? Hopefully, most of us see how utterly ridiculous totally unrealistic, and completely immature, that is. If we're going to have a good marriage, for example, that requires commitment, and it requires sacrifice. If we're going to have solid relationships, it's going to require loyalty and effort. If we're going to have a growing relationship with the Lord, it's going to require time, it's going to require effort, it's going to require commitment on our part. In other words, it will require choices. We need to then look at the choices that we make in life and in a broad and detailed sense, understand, are these choices bringing me closer to God? Are these choices bringing me closer to Jesus? Are these choices bringing me closer or are they getting in my way? of having a closer walk with the Lord, of having a disciplined life, of being able to truly have those moments and have my life in general just sit at his feet. It may be other relationships that are getting in the way. It may be the pursuit of material things that are getting in the way. It may be attitudes, selfish attitudes. Whatever the case, the kingdom way, Jesus says, is a narrow way. The kingdom way is not the easy one. But pastor, when the person who led me to the Lord was talking to me, they said that when I became a Christian, life would be easy and I have no problems anymore, ever. They lied to you. Because the kingdom way is the way that's often chosen by few. It might be commented on by many, but it's truly chosen by few. Oh, and by the way, there were two gates and two ways and two groups. It also says in that passage, there are two destinations. One that leads to destruction and the other, which leads to life. But then he talks about in the verses that follow about how these choices bear fruit. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15 by their fruits you will know them. Now, many of us have heard the principle about being mindful of things and how they appear. In 1 Thessalonians, we're instructed by the Apostle Paul to abstain not just from evil, but every form of evil or every appearance of evil. In Romans, we've been studying Paul had encouraged those that we live in freedom in Jesus, but to not let our freedom become a stumbling block to somebody else. The images that we project do matter. Now here is the balance. We can spend so much time cleaning up the outward man, so much time making sure things look great, so much time making sure that things are fixed and how they are viewed, and so much energy in what other people see that we can get the idea in our minds that the goal from the beginning was just outward appearances. And that once we've reached the place of outward appearances, that we've arrived, There is a concern for the outward man, but outward appearances for the child of God, for those living in God's kingdom, are not the goal. Why? Because outward appearances are temporary. They will fade away. The things in the kingdom foundation are eternal. The other reason why outward appearances aren't our goal, it lets us be real. They can be faked. Looking good doesn't mean you are good. Looking all together doesn't mean you have it all together. Am I talking to someone today? Jesus emphasizes that here of a picture that we've seen dramatized in theater and in art and even in cartoons as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Our goal is to be able to, yes, address the appearance part of who we are and our witness, but to be able to move beyond the appearance stage and go deeper. The danger is that we clean up the outside and think, I got it all done. We've made it. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, verses I know we're all familiar with. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such which there is no law. Yes, we want to be able to project an image and give a witness that doesn't offend and that doesn't take away from the message of Jesus. But the bottom line is that as we grow in the kingdom, as we get closer to Jesus, there should be some things about us. Like, we should be more joyful. We should be more peaceful. We should be more durable. We should be more kind. We should be, okay, more good. It's not the best English in the world, but you get my point. It was better than my saying gooder. We should be more faithful. We should be more gentle and we should be more disciplined. These are all different pieces, different parts of the materials that make up the foundation of the kingdom of God. But you see, these are not just ideals we follow. These are not just principles or life concepts that anyone can go through. Yes, it's true. If you follow the principles that Jesus gave, you'll lead a better life. It's a better life to not worry. It's a better life to be others minded. It's a better life to think about love before hate. These are things that, even if you're not a Christian, if you follow his words and follow his ways, but these aren't what we're going for, just behavioral changes. This is not what the Kingdom Foundation is about. What we're looking for is not that these principles are just followed, that they come out and breathe from a living relationship with Jesus. The relationship has to come first. Why? The very next verses in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 7. Because not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, we need to be careful as God's people, basing our position or believing our standing just on the outside. But pastor, I've... And Jesus, I've served you faithfully. I've served your name faithfully. I've demonstrated to others that your ways work. I've experienced the power of your name. But do you have a personal relationship with Him? See, what's always amazed me about that particular portion of Scripture is that in order for Jesus to use the analogy that he does and for it to work, it has to be possible. Which astounds me. To cast out demons and not know him. To have his healing power flow through you into the lives of others and not know him. To have his power flow to you so that signs and wonders are worked in your presence and not know him. There's a simple word for that it's sad. To know the power of Jesus, but to not know the person of Jesus. See, we believe in signs, but we don't believe in chasing signs. We believe in going after the king of kings and establishing a living, breathing relationship with the one who died for you and me on Calvary. We believe in God's power. We believe in God's healing power, as was just testified to a moment ago. But we still believe in Jesus, even if the healing didn't come, because he is above what he can give us. He is the Lord of glory. We believe in his power. We believe in his power to deliver. But we seek something a whole lot deeper than just deliverance. Philippians chapter 3, verses I'm sure we all know, starting in verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." The Apostle Paul was on the fast track. He was at the pinnacle of a career. He says in chapter 3, I had it going. I had my Maserati. I had at least two or three million followers on Twitter. That's a joke. Circumcised the eighth day, the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of Pharisees, excerning the law blameless, and he counted it all loss. Why, for verse 10, that I may know him. He was a person with great authority and great popularity. He was on the track for public greatness in his world and he willingly and intentionally gave it all up to know Jesus after all these we get to this awesome story it's now after all of those scriptures that he says hey and the kingdom of god it's about these two houses now what amazes me about that whole passage we read at the beginning is that verses 25 and verse 27 are the same. He says the wise man builds his house on a rock, and when the storms come and the rains fall and the winds blow and they beat on the house, the house stands. Then he goes to verse 27, the one that's built on sand, and when the storms come and when the rains fall and when the winds blow and they beat on the house. What amazes me is that whether you're in Jesus or not, The storms of life come. They're the same. This isn't about avoiding storms. Please, if you're ever witnessing to someone who's in trouble and you're trying to give them a sense of the joy they can have in Jesus, don't tell them all of life's problems will just immediately vanish when they say yes to the Lord. Now, yes, it's true, many difficulties, many problems can be avoided in life by following Jesus because many of them are made by, um, come about by our own dumb choices. But Christian or not, the rain is going to come. Christian or not, the floods are going to be there. Christian or not, the winds are going to blow. Christian or not, the things that beat on other houses are going to beat on our houses. It's not a good building practice to sit in denial about the fact that the storms of life will come. What he's saying is that our, sto- our houses, our lives need to be able to withstand the storms of life. Not pretending, well, they don't happen to me. Pastor, I love Jesus, so he wouldn't let any storm come my way. John chapter 16, verse 33, things things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. My main point in this final message on kingdom foundations is, are we ready for the storms that will, all caps, bolded, underlined, even italicize it, will come. What foundation are we building on? Are we building on things that only come our way? Are we building on a foundation that really requires Jesus to do things given the instructions I've so dutifully given him? After all, Lord, I've given you not only the list of things I need, I've even instructed you in prayer on how you should go about it. Earlier in his sermon, Jesus taught in verse in chapter 5, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You're one of the two categories. But in either case, it's going to rain. Difficult times happen to everyone. Sickness happens to everyone. Strained relationships happen to everyone. Disappointments happen to everyone. Prayers not being answered the way we hope they would be happens to everyone. Wisdom and foolishness is not separated by whether or not it rains but by whether or not your life and my life is able to deal with the rains, deal with the winds, deal with the storms that come. And it's because your life and my life is built on a rock, and that rock's name is Jesus. We would consider it foolishness to build a house with quality construction, nice wood floors, Quality, materials, and fixtures, everything first class, and no roof. How much would you pay for that house? No roof. But pastor, why would I need a roof? It's, I'm a Christian. It's not going to rain. People, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. So are we Ready? for the physical storms of life that come. You know, I have never in my adult life had the word back in my prayer life as much as it has been over the last year because of the issues I've had with my back. I would pray, for, but never, and Lord, on the topic of my back, and then I'll pray for something else, so days go by and I'll be praying, oh, and Jesus, on the topic of my back, Physical storms come, but Jesus hasn't changed. He's still the same. Financial storms come. So many through this entire pandemic have seen ups and downs, have seen changes, have seen things happen that we never could have even thought, let alone prepared for. But does that take us away from that loving, breathing, giving relationship that is to walk with him Every single day. Are we ready for the emotional storms that come? Is it just me or are people out there kind of nuts? Are people out there at times kind of mean? Not mean all the time, only when they're awake. I haven't found anybody who's mean to me while we are sleeping. <laughs> Yet, Jesus hasn't changed. He's still saying, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Because again, it's going to rain. It's not an if the storms come. It's a when the storms come. So how do we prepare for the storms of life? How do we take this uh, message that he gave and graft it into our kingdom foundation? Well, he made it clear at the beginning when he talked about the two buildings. Those who hear these words of mine and do them. And in the original language, the connotation there is literally commits one's life to them. You know the verses from James chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving only yourself. So we need to not just hear the words of this amazing sermon, the greatest one ever preached, but make it a part of our lives. Back in the beginning in chapter 5, when he talked about blessed are those who are humble, blessed are those who are peacemakers, blessed are those who are merciful. Those are the quality materials that come into our lives. Then later in chapter 5, he talked about being salt and light, how we're to be a witness to the world around us. And he talked about not having this attitude that only focused on outward appearances and only focused on outward behaviors because he said murder and adultery start in the heart. Then he talked about in chapter 5 toward the end, going the second mile, not just thinking when you went one mile, you accomplished anything, go the second mile. That's what kingdom people are like. Then he said, love your enemies. And he taught us to pray in chapter 6. And then he said, fasting and many of our disciplines as a Christian are good, but they're not done to be seen by other people. And then he told us not to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven. And reminded us, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve this world and serve God. You can't serve God and money. And then he says, don't worry, he'll take care of you. Remember, his eye is on the sparrow. Then at the beginning of chapter 7, we talked about a few weeks ago, don't judge. And then last week about not just ask and it shall be given, or seek and you shall find, or knock and the door will be be opened, but as in the case of little Sophia, we keep on asking. We keep on seeking. We keep on knocking. And then he talked about the narrow way, that there are two gates, in two ways, and that you will know them by their fruit. And just in case someone sees this entire list I just gave and think, yep, I've checked that off and checked that off, he then ends it with be people who will be able to check it off, but I'll be able to say to them, I never knew you. These are the building blocks that start the foundation that will protect you and me from the storms of life. Because it's gonna rain. No one wants it to rain. No one wants it to rain. No one wants the issues of life. We were at home talking the other day about when you get to heaven, who do you want to have a conversation with? And it might be family members who've gone on or different famous people who've been an influence that you've admired or mentors or teachers in the faith. For me, I, my, my first person I want to have a sit-down conversation with is Adam. You had one job. You see the tree in the middle? Stay away. You had one job. What were you thinking? I'm going to make it be a line for Adam, but I sense there'll be a line whatever it is, the rain can hurt. It can unsettle. It can leave us shaken. It didn't just say that the rain, like some pleasant uh, summer rain, gently fell upon the roof, making sweet tinkling noises as it fell to the ground. No, it said it beat on the house. Anyone ever felt beaten up by life? So what's part of our foundation when those moments come? First Peter chapter five, beginning in verse number six. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And verse seven, church, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. How many know Jesus cares for you? How many know there's no love like the love of Jesus? There's no protection like the protection of Jesus. There's no provision like the provision that Jesus makes. There's no being embraced by anyone than the way Jesus embraces his people. So are you ready for the rain? Yesterday was a gorgeous day. And today the sun is shining, but later it's supposed to rain and rain heavy. I'm hoping you will be under a roof when that happens. But I don't know what life has for any of us in the coming days. I was going through different notes of mine, and I keep track of the messages I preached, and I was looking at the message I preached back in February before we heard the word pandemic. And I was thinking about anything but... It rains, and sometimes it rains hard, and sometimes it rains steady, and sometimes it's unrelenting. And with the rain come the winds, and they lift everything in in the neighborhood that's not tied down. And we find out that in the end, it's Jesus. I need Jesus. I need his people. I need the body of Christ. God has made that clear. But I need Jesus. I need him. Stand with me, please. And if now you want to talk to Adam when you get to heaven, you can get behind me.